This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets, where this weekend, Chris, it's happening. It's uh, They've been doing this for years. The Hatch Chili Roasting. It's the throwdown. Yeah. So on uh, Friday, August 24th, they're doing at the McAdam location from 9 to 3. Right. And then the next day, Saturday, at all their locations from 9 to 3. Wow. Yeah. So lots of opportunities. But the cool thing is you don't have to be there. To get your roasted chilies, you can pre-order them. Yeah, and that's tell cool. Them how many you want? So, yeah. Um, I guess we could ask people to look up the McAdam phone number, unless you're like a miracle and can reel it off yourself. Um, I would say the best thing for people to do is go to zoopans.com. Right. And it's right there on the front page. Just look for the the beautiful green chilies. That way we avoid taking a lot of their valuable time, which I'm taking right now, yeah. to reel off phone numbers three times to two different locations. 503-244-5666. <laughs> or zoopans.com. There you You go. can find it yourself. Yep. I like to go to the Google and it says call. Mm-hmm. They have a call prompt. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So that's good. And also... I don't know if you're I I don't know if you're aware of it, but I wasn't. They have Papa Hayden's cakes at Zupan's. Mm. Now I haven't been to Papa Hayden in quite a while, but years back in my dating days, yeah. we used to go there all the time for after every meal to Papa Hayden East or West for their great cakes. And you can get a Mount Adams cake. This is new to Zupan's now. Listen to this. It is uh, it features hazelnut. Coconut, hazelnut and coconut cake layers brushed with hazelnut syrup, just mm. in case you haven't had enough hazelnut. And they also, it's made with Northwest Forage Blackberry Compote, Praline Viennese Buttercream, and Huckleberry Italian Buttercream. Yum. Does it get much better than that? No. Did you see the video of my puppy uh, foraging for oh, blackberries? Did. Yeah, I did see that. He didn't have anything to do with this, but if he did, he'd be all over that buttercream. Let's talk about quickly here, the the pink drink this month, uh, they're highlighting a few of uh, their favorite rosés featuring selections from Oregon, France, Italy, and Spain, and uh, no better place for you to go when it comes to selecting wine for your events, for yourself, for whatever, than to stop by your local zoo pants. Yeah, they have a huge selection. It's really good, and they'll help you too. Certainly. Three locations, McAdam, Burnside, and of course, Lake Grove, and always, zoopans.com. Once again, for Portland's Food Scene Podcast, it's right at the fork with your host, Chris Angeles from Portland Food Adventures. And here I go. You are Court Johnson from Kink.fm in the afternoons, formerly in the mornings. Yes. So you've been all over the place. I think the uh, one day part that I have not done yet is middays. But really? I filled in on midday. But you're so here. I guess on, you're here. Midday. I'm here. We're I, here right I, now. It's I, midday. It is exactly what in it radio is. vernacular. Midday is what ten to three. Ten to three. Exactly. You, you, you're an old radio vet. Yeah, I used to sell it. Yeah. And middays were a little less expensive generally than mornings and afternoons. Our day part is all day long because podcasts are a little different. You listen to it when you want. Yep. You don't have to be there. Mm-hmm. So, um, and this podcast, we have a. Uh, a special treat today, it's a good word to use, yes. when we're talking about um, what Micah Camden is bringing to the bringing to the fore today, a little news on a, on a new product and new place that he's opening in Portland. Yeah, it was interesting. It was an interview that uh, went sideways in the best way possible in that we brought him on to talk about Super Deluxe. Right. And he came in, he walked in with that... Uh, 
that mini cooler, that little styrofoam cooler that he had. And in my mind, because we, because again, we, I thought we were talking about Super Deluxe. I thought, yes, Micah brought burgers and fries. Right. And it wasn't burgers and fries. It was something completely different. Uh, I loved it still. Yeah, I think we should just let the product be left unknown. You listen to the podcast to find out what it is. Mm -hmm. But it's real exciting. And what you were thinking about was a super deluxe. I was looking at the no food or drink sign and thinking, you know, you're responsible for making sure that no one eats or drinks in this particular studio, which is odd for a food podcast. You know, I I did see that. But in my mind, again, I was thinking burgers and fries. and I wasn't going to worry about it. But also also knowing because this was our second time, uh, you know, speaking with Micah. He he doesn't strike me as a guy who necessarily wants to follow the rules. He wants to do no. things the way he wants to do things, and that's why he's so, so successful. Right, and I was flattered that he chose this podcast to say, because we don't even realize it until in the middle of the podcast or somewhere in, I ask, hey, does anybody else know about this? No, this was uh, introducing his new concept. Yeah. And you know, Micah Camden has had a number of excellent con- concepts and restaurants. Not only did he open, was the, did he... Open DOC and Yakuza Lounge and Beast, which I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's also responsible for Little Big Burger and Blue, Blue Star, Star Donuts and Boxer Ramen and the former Boxer Sushi. Yeah. And by the way, I think it's number 77 was the episode where yes. he first appeared with us. Yep. So you really kind of need to listen to that because it's a great podcast. Mike is an interesting guy, mm-hmm. uh, and he's very upfront, and there's no bullshit with Micah. Um, and so I think to, to as a companion piece to this, you might want to, we'd like you to listen to this now, but you might want to go and listen to number 77 first, but yep. I think it works to listen to it afterwards. Sure. Because um, there's actually some foreshadowing in that episode 77 about what happened when here. things went sideways. Right. So he, he actually said he was going to bring us, next time he was on the podcast, and we didn't know, yeah. he was going to bring us what he was talking about, reveal what he was talking about uh, on the way. And uh, I forgot that was happening until I actually listened to that podcast the night before we recorded this one. Yeah. So just a little bit of housekeeping. I want to indulge our listeners one last time to hear about Jose Chessa. And it's a good thing going to Barcelona and the opportunity to go with us. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just a few weeks away, September 19th through the 26th, and we have one spot remaining for either a single or a couple Mm. to go with us. And uh, it is a glorious trip. Best of Barcelona with Chef Jose, portlandfoodadventures.com, although you know Squarespace was down this morning. Right. So uh, hopefully that's back by now. Um, and check us out and give me a call. You can even call me at uh, 503-208-4290 if you'd like to grab that last spot on what may be our last trip to Barcelona. What's that phone number again? 503-208-4290. Thank you, Court. You're welcome. Um, and it's just uh, with Jose having a child and lots of responsibilities, we're not... We'd love to do another trip with him, but we're just not sure. So yeah. we, no one can say, I'll wait, um, you know, maybe next year, because we may not. We may, but we may not. So back to the business at hand. Yes. Uh, Micah Camden, who I've now determined when someone wants to hear an example of this podcast, because we get a lot. Which one should I listen to? Mm-hmm. It's hard to choose between 170 some odd 100 interviews. 170. This is 171. 171, and we also have at least 60 or 70 
Sound bites, uh, sound bites, and and Gary Fruity updates. specials, mm-hmm. and now Brooke is doing some great eater sp- uh, updates for us. Yeah, um, so we're over two hundred episodes. It's hard to pick. Sure, I have. I I think these two are musts in a top five, or one of the two at least. There we go. Right at the Fork is proud to be supported by Zupan's Markets. For over 40 years, unsurpassed quality from the best meats and wines to the freshest baked goods, flowers, and more, with a delicious emphasis on locally sourced items. The best of the Northwest Bounty can be found at your closest Zupans on West Burnside, McAdam, or Lake Grove, and at Zupans.com. Eat well, put taste first, love your food. Ringside Steakhouse. Owned by the Peterson family for generations, Ringside Steakhouse has long been a landmark of the Portland landscape, featuring impeccable service that has set the standard in Portland for nearly 75 years. Enjoy the finest aged steaks in Portland, their world-famous onion rings, and even Ringside's legendary late-night happy hour. Whether it's a special occasion, a business dinner, or just a great night out, make a reservation at ringsidesteakhouse.com and by San Pellegrino. Iconic, fresh, sparkling water with an extraordinary Italian heritage. It's a great, refreshing way to enhance any dining experience. Ask for San Pellegrino by name the next time you're having a great meal. Ever since its foundation in 1899, San Pellegrino has been a premium brand synonymous with style. Try it with your next meal and enjoy the difference San Pellegrino can make. This will be the first time we ever started a podcast after Court and I had done a demonstration. We're talking about a food demonstration, not actually protesting. Well, I wasn't sure, you know... I didn't know of any questions you guys were going to have that was going to rise that, you know, if it was sensitive or not, because there's, you ain't going to try that anywhere else. Like it's. For how long? Huh? For, well, it's not, you can't get it in the market now. Not yet. So my question was, when will you be able to get it? So the store is opening up in October, like mid-October. It's on 13th and Johnson in the Pearl District. Okay. Big, beautiful uh, store where we're going to, basically it's like. It's my Willy Wonka land. Like I'm, I'm going to show off what I was able to do for the last two years. What I've been like nose deep in is trying to figure out and master gluten free or dairy free or soy free or nut free. And the things that I was able to hit all of those over the last two years working on it, because you know, when people think of chickpeas, they think of like gritty or they think of hummus or think of that, but I can. You know, your first impression on that when I told you it was chickpeas, you were like, what? So people tuning in right now, we've teased them because they don't know what it is. We've just, you've, we've skirted around it. You just brought your new ice cream. Yeah. It was made exclusively, five ingredients. Five ingredients. One of them's chickpea. Uh-huh. And no dairy. No dairy. No so, soy, no nuts, no gluten. And it was, it was exceptional. So you had three flavors. I brought three. I've got 12. 12? Yeah, that are developed and, and fully mashed out as far as like flavor profiles and textures and stuff like that. So, Court and I both liked your matcha mint. Yeah, that was really good. The strawberry was really good. The, the coffee was solid. Mm-hmm. So, when you have the different, when you talk about the coffee profiles, I would assume because because your base is the pea, mm-hmm. like you, that sound, sounded wrong, the chickpea, <laughs> um, the, like you have to approach it a little bit different with the flavor pro- profiles because how you com- combine those together or no, not? No, no, I was able to, it's so, you know, the soy industry, the, the reason why the product is also soy free is because Monsanto owns 96% of the soy crops in the world. Right. And they, they, they're bad. They'll never escape that 
stigma that they have. That stigma is terrible. They, they've genetically modified that thing to be exactly what they want it to be, but they did it in ways that were harmful to the earth and harmful to the people that were consuming it. But from the back end, where they were going, trying to remove flavor, trying to do this to bring out certain qualities or, or suppress certain qualities of the natural soybean, because if you've been to Tokyo and you've, you've eaten in nicer restaurants, you've had soy products that were absolutely amazing. And you didn't know, oh, soybeans actually have taste. You know, something it's not just devoid of it. But the soy industry genetically modified their crops for oil. That's the biggest product. That, that the, It's not tofu and it's not soy milk and all that kind of stuff. It's oil. And they were able to remove a lot of that, like, natural bean flavor that comes from a soybean. And when I first started making this, I was running into the problem where my first 75 batches tasted like beans. And I'm like, okay. That's a lot of confidence, by the way, to get to 75 and say, we're going to continue. <sighs> no, because what I, what I landed on was mouthfeel. Mm-hmm. And that's where the dairy industry, as far as ice cream, is con- dairy-free ice creams, that's where they fall flat is texture and, and, and mouthfeel. So, you know, even in soy, soy tastes watery and almond tastes gritty and coconut always tastes like coconut. And you either like coconut or you don't like coconut. People aren't like, they don't have, you know, mediocre right. feelings on coconut. Right. And you can never have like strawberry coconut. It's all, I mean, you never have strawberry or chocolate or anything like that. It's always that flavor plus coconut. So I was trying to neutralize that bean flavor that comes with it. Not that it's a bad flavor, but I didn't want any mental connection between hummus and ice cream. And I've given that, I've blind tested that with some of the biggest VC firms and, and you know, food houses in America. And they literally wanted video evidence that it was chickpeas. Because we, we nailed the mouthfeel in the first three weeks. And it was just all a matter of nuancing it to get it to where, because our whole thing was we didn't want to put, we wanted to stay with the five ingredient profile. We wanted to be the only ice cream that said, uh, we got five ingredients in ours and you can pronounce everything. And there's no Xanthams because other dairy-free places, they rely so heavily on additives and starches and, and anything that ends with dextrose. And in your, your regular old ice cream, how many ingredients would we find in, in, it depends on where you go. I mean, if you're going to get a healthy one, speaking. 12 to 30. Okay. Yeah. But we definitely wanted to be the ones that were not like, we weren't trying to be halo top. We weren't trying to use sugar alcohols and get the calories down. We were trying to get the dairy out because the dairy and the gluten free, that is the thing that's affecting a lot of America right now. It's affecting me. I know that. And have I, you been eating gluten free? I have been eating gluten free and it's been awesome. Uh, How long? Uh, about a year. On and off, I have my weak moments, you know, like... Plus, you have to do product testing. You just open Super Deluxe. That's, there'd be a weak moment. So. <laughs> a few of those. <laughs> a few hundred I could, burgers. I could, go, <laughs> I could go for some of those weak moments. Yeah. Uh, but no, like, I, I, was, I had not touched any gluten in, like, 45 days, and I was feeling great. There was no inflammation. There was... I, I was look, looking in the mirror. I was feeling great. And then I was like, you know, I want some cachia pepe. And then I went to the store, and I bought you know, pasta and some pecorino and some peppers and all the way. And I came home and I literally ate five, six portions of it. And I just blew up, like literally blew up. I was, it was terrible. Three days of, you know, feeling horrible. And so how, how horrible were you feeling before you went gluten free? So what was the impetus? It it was norm. It was the norm for me. A, A super unhealthy person doesn't exactly feel unhealthy. They feel normative as they're walking around their daily life. Yeah. Thinking, you know, geez. No, I, I, you've lost weight since I've seen you. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I appreciate you recognizing that. Um, but no, like people that are unhealthy, like before I opened up, you know, back in the first days of Little Big Burger, um, I was 260 
when I was running around and I didn't feel like, I mean, other than the, you know, not sleeping well and, and heartburns and stuff like that. But I, I was, I was living with my obesity and, and then I was like, you know, fuck this and, you know, started eating healthy. And then I, I actually felt what it's like to feel clean, you know, to go on those fasts and to go on those juices and to be light, you know, clear headed and your vision works better and, and you just are more cognitive and, and, I was able to experience all of that and it's been a roller coaster. There's been, you know, good months, good quarters, bad quarters, good year, bad well, year. And the reason I asked that question to begin with is I was just wondering if you'd weighed the, geez, if I'd never gone gluten-free with that, the way I felt before, is that worth, is that better than the ups and downs from going No, in no, 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 because it, it gives you an actual perspective. It, it, it's like, you know, you can do it. And you know the baseline too. And you know the baseline. Yeah. So you know that you, you know what it's going to take and it is definitely hard work and it, it is what they say. It is a lifestyle. You really have to have a lifestyle. I just, I've just rejected that. So I, I know it would be healthier for me. Yeah. And I just like the, the bad shit too much. Yeah. <laughs> so um, for me, it's when I'm, when I'm focusing on something because I like hyper focus or I'll run really deep down a rabbit hole with whatever I'm doing. And when I'm focused on something that's healthy, I do healthy. But then when you build out, you know, things that super are not deluxe. healthy so or <laughs> super healthy uh then you end up with you know some bad like when i was doing pizza i was eating five pizzas a day for three months and not even once trying to do a gluten-free uh right uh pizza base so that was definitely what happened to the pizza i've still got the one location i mean the two locations i got the one at haslow and the one at southwest waterfront i ended up closing the one on 13 and what's what is that what? what pizza place? What's the what's the name? Oh, Sweetheart Pizza. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, should have yeah. done my research, but no, I haven't been there, and I'm a pizza lover. So yeah, I have to get there. Check it out. Okay. Um, do you do a white clam? I have to ask that. No. Anybody listen to this <laughs> I podcast? Did, I, I did. I did a. I did a clam pizza, mm-hmm. and I refused to use canned clams. You know, we were getting in, and we were steaming them with white wine, and doing all the stuff, and then I realized that was the pizza I was losing the most money on. <laughs> So I'm curious, and um, because everything you do, there's a lot of publicity involved with it, and you're really good at it, and I thank you for coming on the podcast. You were eager, I think, or willing to come on the podcast to talk about Super Deluxe, um, and certainly Little Big Burger, but Sweetheart, I haven't, I haven't heard a lot about it. It has, its, it has its fan base. It has its following. It didn't click in the way that I thought it would. I thought that what I was going to do is I was going to take Neapolitan-style pizza and make it fast casual. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got, you know, in town you've got Ken's. He has the crown. Um, but that's not a fast casual pizza place. No. That's it's that, not fast when you're waiting online to sit exactly. down Exactly. Like and, and I'm like, okay, those pizzas cook in 90 seconds. So I bought the pizzas from Italy. and I, I mean, I bought the pizza ovens from Italy. And perfected my dough, and and I'm super super proud of my product. But what I didn't take into account was when people have historically gone for that style of pizza, there's been an experience involved in it. There's been the table, there's been the bottle of wine, there's been the service. There's it's never been something that people would casually walk up to a counter and walk away with because it's not that greasy cheesy slice of pizza for three bucks. You know, mm-hmm. you're not. I mean, we're not selling a slice. We're selling. A 12-inch pizza that we cook in literally 90 seconds. It's true Neapolitan, and I didn't take into account the experience of that. So we've since fixed those problems and actually have made up for that 
And so. also, it's there have been a lot of pizza places opening in Portland in the last few years, so mm-hmm. it's harder to get the attention than it would have been five years ago. I probably, think. I was yeah. probably too focused on burgers or donuts or no. Ramen but I, or, as I'm listening to you, it's just incredible that you've taken all, you know all the popular, many popular categories and said, "I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it my way." Well, I'm jumping into fast food drive-throughs now, and that was that was a fun one. How long ago did you devise Super Deluxe? In the middle because, of January. Yeah, because you weren't talking about it last time, which was, I think it was two years ago, almost exactly two yeah. years ago. No, what, what, no, I came up with it in January, and I, I called my leasing agent, and I was like, hey, I want you to see if you can find yourself a, I had read an article somewhere, and it was on how, it was like the death of the big box, and it was talking about... Um, like Sears, JCPenney's, Toys R Us's, all those big box buildings. And it was an article on infrastructure and it was talking about how all of those things are, are dying and, and, but they're left with the infrastructure, the lighting, the walls, the parking lots, all this kind of stuff. But there's no retailer that is, that is in, on the foreseeable horizon that can utilize that. But not only that, they're developed in areas where you can't do mixed use retail. So you can't just easily throw a bunch of apartments above it. But Amazon comes along and they're like, oh, I got use for it. And we're the, we and we're the ones who killed those, those businesses. Yeah. Too. So so that's that's what they did. But then it, it, it had a link to Starbucks. And start, you know, there's the death of fast food where, uh, you know, in the, in the next four to five years, so many of the, you know, lower hanging fruit, fast food fruit is going to be dying off. Like subways are closing at the tune of 30 a month, KFCs 10 a month, and the only person that's running around grabbing up their infrastructure is Starbucks, Starbucks right. and they're experiencing growth now that they did that they had barely experienced in the in the heyday of Starbucks back when every landlord wanted a Starbucks to anchor them. You know, now people don't want a Starbucks to anchor them; they want a Stumptown or a Heart or something like that. They don't want a Starbucks, so Starbucks is getting in the fast food game, and they're experiencing five hundred percent year over year growth, and they're murdering it in the drive through. I'm like, hmm. Same thing. Let's see if the same thing can you know be applied at at super deluxe and sure enough it was definitely a thing so yeah but so if you're so if the low-hanging fruit and would be i read that you know taco was a taco time that's yeah. where you are now yeah uh and i passed one in seaside recently and they're closed now uh-huh. looking for i don't know that has anything to do with you did you know that taco time was started here in oregon no. it's a it's a eugene company oh, i didn't know that i didn't know that either you know, but, you know, living in Utah, they got lots of taco times. Mm-hmm. And I remember the crispy bean burrito growing up and I was like, oh my God. And then when we got to the, when we got to that place, you know, my realtor was like, hey, I got something on 50th and Pell. And I'm just like looking at that intersection going, I've been at that Taco Bell probably four nights a week when I was younger at one in the morning, getting food, leaving the strip clubs or the bars or stuff like that. You and went to strip clubs? Of course. I had my, my two years in the, in the, the thing, my downward spiral. So... But well, many in Portland wouldn't call strip clubs a downward spiral. No, my downward spiral had nothing to do with the strip clubs. It had to do with, you know, a divorce. <laughs> yeah. I know. Um, but the, the, what's going to happen with fast food is everybody wants fast and they want convenient and they want it now and they don't want to wait for anything like that. And, you know, fast casual sort of came to critical mass and I, I actually helped con- contribute to that. And, so it's it's staying in your car and going through that drive through but 
what are you left with? I mean, Starbucks is experiencing this growth because before Starbucks drive through you had McDonald's for coffee. You had the McCafe. It wasn't even coffee. It was cafe, you know, and then you had, you know, their crappy breakfast sandwiches, but then Starbucks comes up and they're like, oh, we're better than that. And then they just took every bit of the business from McDonald's from the morning time. And then guess what happens? McDonald's announces all day breakfast. Mm-hmm. Oh, that, okay, that yeah, is when I'm, that I'm, clicked. I mean, that's interesting to hear how that, how, how and why that happened. Yeah. They're, they're McDonald's, McDonald's, Starbucks literally follows McDonald's and looks for the drive throughs near the busiest McDonald's because and, they know people are trained to go to McDonald's for breakfast, coffee and breakfast sandwiches. Yeah. Now that I think about it, almost everywhere I know McDonald's is, there's a Starbucks right there. And so, and now McDonald's is going, you know, really going into the apps. Exactly. And not only the get, apps, they're going into the better faster. product. They're the only people that will, that are, are able, like there's them and Taco Bell and you can't really compare, um, in and out and Chick-fil-A to McDonald's because they're more of a cult status, definitely like more localized where they're super popular. But McDonald's has have, they're needing to step up their game. They're using all real beef and they're starting to do, you know, whole legs are juicier because they need to evolve. And they knew they, before they were evolving from a marketing standpoint, they knew that if they got the Justin Bieber's and the, you know, the Justin Timberlake's and the Justin's of the world and were able to stay relevant from a marketing standpoint, then people would keep on. But the thing is, is now even the furthest corners of the better food world, people know that, you know, you want real good food and you're going to do that. You're going to have to like sacrifice the convenience and you have to sacrifice the drive through and all that kind of stuff. So all these other places are dropping like flies, you know, Subway was the biggest thing. And then now you have all these better sandwich, you know, just, you, you have so many more options now that these other people have no excuses and they're so entrenched in the way of doing businesses. And, and plus they're almost all franchises. So They've, they've nailed all that responsibility. You know, the death nail is basically to the franchisee of mm-hmm. that unit, but the corporate is like, they'll just ride that wave until that wave's done, you know? So. I'm and they're just, doing well anyway with their stocks. So. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But, you know, McDonald's is going to evolve and a few I others. I think they but, have. I've noticed. I, 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 one of my guilty pleasures is that one of those terrible breakfast sandwiches you just referenced, uh, the sausage biscuit. Yeah. Which I share the top half with my dog. That's my way of yeah. getting through it. But I go there when I'm in Portland too much, and I asked them the other day, um, why is it that you, first of all, prices have gone up. Yep. Like monthly, they go up another oh, yeah. 10 cents yeah, on yeah, everything. Yeah. Yep. And, and they're really pushing online ordering, and then they pointed out, to, the woman at the drive-thru pointed out the obvious that labor costs are going up, mm-hmm. and so they're doing whatever they can to up their quality and keep have fewer people. Yep. And so, because um, it's I mean, changing business. Six months ago, even nine months ago, you look at any fast food drive-through place and you look at the the food that they're just throwing out, and you're like, you know, Burger King, seventy nine cent breakfast sausage sandwich. I'm sorry, I wouldn't trust that if my mother made it for me, like, and said, "Here, give me eighty cents, and I'll give you this." Like, it's. You can't like where the, where a lot of these places are still buying their products and 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 doing stuff. You you can't put that in your body. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. So I just realized <laughs> I, I realize that all the time, but yeah. it's just it's simple and it's easy and it's fast and it's cheap. Yeah. So basically, I look at it like this: there's a lot of infrastructure that's coming on the market. Starbucks is not going to open up Starbucks, you know, every ten feet away from it. But like typically, these fast food places, they signed, they were developed in the early '80s you know, mid eighties and they signed 20, 30 year leases 
And what you end up with is these clusters of, of groupings of buildings. So, you know, there's fast foods near fast foods typically, and Starbucks will go in and they'll, they'll pick the one that they want. But then it's only a few more years before the one directly next door to them is going to go out. And those areas are already been so developed up that it's going to be hard to develop a 10,000 square foot lot. You know, so and once you get rid of a drive through in Multnomah County, it's gone. You don't get it back. So, you know, going in and, and finding these things two and three and four years out, you're going to be able to plot a growth to be able to offer the next way. We call it the drive through and breakthrough or the breakthrough and drive through. Sorry. So how do you have time from January to now to identify that, do the research, do the work and develop a product and hire people and buy, do the all you need to do to get that one space? And I'm sure your eyes are not just on on Powell. No. You have you have your I'm sure you got a plan and it's oh, yeah. bigger. So how do you have time to do all that because you're working on this? Yeah. Um you know, you got your hands on a lot of different things. A lot of coffee. I don't do anything else. You know, I, I don't go out. I, I stay at home and I'll put a movie on in the background that I've seen 150 times. I mean, like I watched Jerry Maguire last night and it was probably the 90th time I've seen it, but it's just the metronome in the back just ticking. And I'm just doing, I mean, like I said, I'm going down those rabbit holes that allow me to, to What's your What are your sleeping habits? Uh, I usually go to bed about um, 11 o'clock and wake up at 4.30 or 5. Okay. So I get a solid six hours in every day. Do you want more? No. I'll take a nap in the middle of the day. Yeah. 20, okay. 30 minutes. I had it together. I just did, I just listened to a podcast where it was pretty scary, the research on anything under seven hours yeah. for longevity and- Oh, but then you'll read somebody con- else's research and it yeah. says that six hours is like the reason why the most successful people in the world sleep. And I know, but when you listen to something for too long late at night, it really sticks with you. So yeah. uh, I'm aware of that, and I've never been someone who gets seven or eight hours, so I started to, again, freak out for the 90th time on different studies that I've heard. So. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, eggs and bacon are good for you one year and not the next. Exactly. Let's take a minute uh, right here, Chris, to talk about one of our favorite places to eat, Ringside Steakhouse. It's been a favorite for a lot of people. For uh, They're celebrating their 75th year next year. Which is awesome. Yeah. Who else? I guess what? Huber's maybe in Portland that has been around that long, but... Right. No one's been uh, carrying the torch for service as long as uh, Ringside Steakhouse. And as of, uh, and very recently also the Fish House, which unfortunately closed. Yeah. So they were, um, if, if you haven't heard the story yet, they, in that space over at Fox Tower, the, um, the building, the a tenant wanted more space. And the Petersons decided that uh, they didn't have a younger generation that was interested in operating the restaurant business, so they decided to just stick with what they know really well. Mm-hmm. Not that they didn't know the fish house well, but they got an offer they couldn't refuse, I guess, for the space. And uh, and now they're they're going to operate the steakhouse solely. The good news here is if you're a big fan of the onion rings, <laughs> it's all about those. The have, onion those rings. have always been in both places, and I, I had just this past weekend. I introduced a friend of mine to the onion rings, and if you've, if you've never had the ringside onion rings, you are missing out because they are perfection. I've I had friends, two sets of friends here last month who enjoyed that, but also the lobster mashed potatoes. Oh which yeah, you could you could still get at ringside that, steakhouse. We did that too, and they have the after nine o'clock happy hour mm-hmm. menu, which is just as good as the fish house is better than the fish house's uh, happy hour menu too. Yeah. So. 
And not only that, of course, classic states, service, and, and atmosphere. Did you know, I don't know if you knew this, Court, because you have to be paying a little bit of attention. Portland Business Journal, Ringside One Best Restaurant in Portland. Uh, and a few categories as well. Not only best restaurant, but I think best service, best decor. That might have been it. Oh, I, the, may, I may be wrong on that, but listeners are certainly welcome to, to call me out. If yes, certainly. Easily the best service in Portland that I've experienced myself. I think so. Is at the steakhouse. It's, so. old, it's old school service. Right. It's, you know, it's asking the right questions and knowing what you like when you come in, if mm-hmm. you've been there multiple times. So yeah, Ringside Steakhouse over on West Burnside. What's the the website is? Uh... RingsideSteakhouse.com. Yeah, there you go. That easy, and that's where you can also go and set up a reservation today. Yeah, and you can do that as individuals, or if you have a corporate outing, you're going to impress. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to know, if you're going to bed at 11 and waking up at 4, 4.30... Why you're not um, a disc Well, no. Well, maybe Why you're not in the radio like, business? You can work in radio. <laughs> no, but, but like, when do... Because I know for me, the ideas come at night. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're doing the late night and the early morning, is it just... is it? Are they coming all the time or do you Shower. have a better time of the day? Well, someone said, you know, oh, man, you must... You must... You go from zero to a hundred, you know, real quick. And I'm like, I idle at 75. Like, that's me idling. Right. I don't go from zero to 100. I, I just, I'm you already never, there. You're never really stopped. Yeah. So that momentum's just always been so you're going. going. you're going to bed with it and thinking about it as you're waking mm. up. Yeah. Do you have a time um, when your good ideas are most likely to come your way? I have no idea when they come. You know, I thought the pizza was going to change the world, and it didn't. Yeah, well, that, but also I, I find that I drive back and forth to the coast a lot, and that's good for me because yeah. I have time to... Not to be looking at other stuff. I'm so distracted. We're so distracted now with our phones. Oh, yeah. Something, you could be in the middle of doing something and then, you know, that happens. Or you're well, I actually, I, I don't suffer from that distraction as much as most people because I don't have a Facebook. I don't have a Snapchat. I don't have an Instagram. I don't, I just got an Instagram four days ago for Little Bean because I wanted to monitor our little on the ground things like I wanted to see kind of like the public's reaction and the second I logged on for the very first time in my life on Instagram I had 300 plus requests of people like because apparently it goes out to like people that you know your your friend Micah and I even my girlfriend like she's like what are you doing and then she like hit a friend because I'm like "Uh uh-uh I didn't get on here for this distraction because I know that distraction you know what I mean I know that people and I've just been able to I've been able to avoid it. I haven't been on Facebook in six years. I was on MySpace when that was relevant and I was 22. But like I said, none, I don't have any of those online distractions where I'm constantly looking to see if somebody likes me or dislikes me. So um, that's interesting because I think a lot of people nowadays would think social media is an absolute necessity to it be is, successful It is, and that's why you hire people to that's manage us, it for your businesses. So you hire people oh, yeah. to solely do that. And is anybody Micah out there? Like, you know, the... Is anybody acting as you, or is it always oh, your no, business? Oh, no, 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 no. It's all your business. If, if, it was, if it were people out there acting like me, I would have less customers than I do. So. Okay. Definitely. So, um, do you you don't miss it at all. Because I I struggle with that. We're talking about all my vices, and I don't want to make no, this what about I struggled me, with was What I struggled with was going onto Facebook when I was 24 years old and seeing my 52-year-old sister, like, taking a selfie and saying, thank God it's Friday and like, you know, trying to be 22 again. And I, it made me sick. 
you know, and then looking at the, you know, the, the roots that I came from and, and just, I just couldn't stand the political aspect of who you grew up with, you know, versus who you've evolved to. And I just like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to play this game. This is, I'm already controversial enough when it comes to my own opinions that I'm sure as hell not going to put them out there on a daily basis. Exactly. So, um, but that's interesting because I asked you where you get all the energy from. And nowadays, by eschewing that, you got you you do have a lot more time and energy than a lot of us who are wasting our times looking checking our phone every yep. fifteen minutes yep. or ten or I five. Mean, there's how many how many studies out there that shows what's the average use of what people are doing, and then what's the aftershock of that use? Like trying to process the information that you got that you weren't expecting, that you weren't thinking about. So. I knew I had an appointment with you today, right? Mm-hmm. And I knew about it days ago. So I just mentally put that into my, my bank and I'm like, okay, I'm going to go to that. But I didn't, that was that. I, I didn't go on on the daily every 10 minutes or 15 minutes. I, there's so many people out there that are just literally living through other people. You know, like we're in the, we're in the age of envy right now. And, and it comes through in, in the worst of ways. But I just, I can't do it. Do you do you do a lot of reading? And I'll tell you oh, why yeah. I ask that because I listened to the last podcast that we had uh, in the last twenty four hours. You have a lot of there. There's a lot of vernacular, and there are a lot of uh, well that that comes from. There's a lot of wisdom. The there. one thing I do belong to is it a flows right out is a Scrabble group. My uh, my online handle is I'm a word nerd with a spectacular vernacular. <laughs> <laughs> And where do you play that? Where can we find you there and annoy you? Oh, just with friends because I won't play online. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. so you actually play. Oh, I'll actually whip out the actual. I've been broken up with playing Scrabble before. I have been because you've broken. Been playing too much? No, because I played the girl I was on my like fourth date with and, you know, the competitive side of me comes out when the Scrabble board comes out and she literally got up and walked away. <laughs> That's a great way to end a relationship, Scrabble. If you yeah, want, if you want to end it, right? Ever played Scrabble with a girl, ever again? <laughs> I play. I've been playing um, continual games of Word Feud on my phone mm-hmm. with a number of people, including my son and some good friends, for now going on eight years. Yeah, just never stop. Just next game, keep going. When I was playing online, see, because you have to have a Facebook to play online. So no, you don't. Well, that's the way it used to be. When Words with Friends came out, you had to actually have a Facebook. You had to no, link through Facebook. Word feud, man. It's, it's great. So Sam Adams, good friend of mine. And the beer? Huh? No, 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 no. The no, local. Former mayor. Yeah, former yeah, mayor. Former mayor. And you talk about losing time of your day. This is back when I just had Yakuza and, and all yeah. the rest of it. Yeah. So I had like four or five restaurants and I was con because you got his, his hubby, Peter Zuck, who's New York Times bestselling author. And we, the three of us would be up at like, I'd hear my phone go off at one thirty in the morning and it would ding and it would be them making a move. And I would wake up at one thirty in the morning to make my move. That was the thing that I got, I got, I got addicted to was, was like words with friends and stuff like that. And I, there was this certain group of people I played with and I had to stop that because it was consuming too much of my time. Yeah. I remember cooking at Yakuza and I was really in a heated game with Sam Adams. Mm-hmm. And I, I was like, just, I don't know why, but like I had a packed restaurant. We weren't known for being super fast at Yakuza anyways. And I walked off the line, my own line of my own restaurant 
to the back to try to figure out how to kill this guy. <laughs> On, like we're talking 7:30 in the weeds, tickets piled all the way up. And did anybody know that you, other than you, that you were doing that? Uh, no. Yeah. No, but I got off of it, and I like now if I play, if I play Scrabble, I play it with people. And I actually, I have this great idea. Okay, so Scrabble was not invented for wordsmiths. It wasn't. It was not invented for the person that loves the the quality of a word. And because anybody, any kid can can kill Scrabble with zoo or ox or a or you know like right. any of the two letters or there's eighty two two letters and, and there's three hundred and ten three letters and you that's gonna yeah put you over the top. But here's what I want to do. There's got to be an algorithm out there that you can create that goes through the dictionary and it uses it assigns value point values to actual words and that value of that word is based on its usage in today's you know right so so basically indexing um practicality exactly so what you're going to do is then then scrabble becomes a game for people that actually like words right mind you I would lose at that game because part of my part of the reason why it, you know you know Scrabble has typically been strategy, but it's been using elementary letters as as a point value, and it's 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 more. The true winners of Scrabble are very vindictive. They will kill off an entire side of a board if they realize that they don't have something to pin you with in the first two or three moves. They'll they'll kill the board and try to beat you within a one square inch or two square inches of the game. Mm-hmm. But if you were to create just you can use the same board you can use the same multipliers you can use the same tiles you can use the same everything just assign the 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 point value of the word based on the quality of the word and not the tile now when you say quality are you meaning the uniqueness of the word the uniqueness or? of the word so and then the you have to know that the see the problem with word with friends and word feud is it's you just never know if someone's no, cheating no but you got that little teeny you see but that's the thing you got that little teeny uh that little teeny like icon on the bottom that's like it gives you a frowny face if there's a better word to be used. Oh, so you can that. have some gauge down there that says you're using a like of all the letters you have, you're using a pretty weak variant of those letters. Word, words with friends has that because yeah. you doesn't. Yeah. So, so so you could you could you can have something there, but not for it to give you your stuff because say like on Scrabble because Scrabble has this teacher and Word with friends has this teacher. So when you put your word down, it'll say. Do you want to see what would have been better? And you hit yes, but you've already played your word. So it teaches you a word. So that's actually a good thing. So this is still can you can still gain everything from this. But what you're going to end up with is you're going to start playing this game. Everybody's going to be normalized except for the few Arcadians out there that actually study grammar and 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 word use and stuff like that. Right, and a lot of people study that just for the just for the game. No, they don't. They study the the three hundred three letter words. They study the eighty two two letter words. They memorize them. They do it for rote. They don't do it for an understanding of the words because unless you have a true understanding of the word, you're never going to commit it to your your vocabulary. Right. I yeah, I get that. I've had all those these conundrums going back and forth with words and I just call them that's a fucking bullshit word and I'm I'm I used to just say I quit. I'm but not, you know that you but you know that XU is going to get you this. You know well, that you're going to get this is, many points. But we know that but there are certain words that everybody knows you're going to use and you get to use that. And then you get one that's like they had to look that up. Um or they just memorized it. it. Yeah, I guess so. I, I wonder how many listeners we've just lost who walked away. No, I'm just waiting to find out when Mike is going to come out with this next level Scrabble game. Maybe it's maybe it's an app. I, I no, I, I spoke. To, I spoke. I spoke to people. I have my buddy owns Panic here in town, and they're game developers. And he was just he was honest with me. He's like, "That's awesome." 
kind of niche. You would have a very niche game market yeah. going to a very few people. Right. I thought you were going to do like tile-shaped French fries and come up no. with that. <laughs> no, they, they, he was just like, he's like, you will, he's like, yeah, it'll be great and, you, and you'll probably win awards and, you know, all of that stuff. He goes, but you'll sell 6,000 copies of it. Basically what it would cost to Well, to especially it. nowadays, it's got to be something online or it's going to yeah. be tough to sell. Right. Much like, um, you know, much like the, the big box stores. Same, they got the same problem. It's, yeah. They're, they're not really geared towards online. So let's talk a little bit about Super Deluxe. Okay. Because um, I've had one experience there. Okay. And we just, uh, when's this coming out? Yeah, we just talked about it with Brooke at Eater. So she's excited about it too. So people will have heard about our conversation before uh-huh. your podcast. This is this is released. But I went there and on a Thursday at 7.30 with my son the drive-through looked a little long for me. I'm mm-hmm. on the East Coast. I don't have a lot of patience for lines. Yeah, but I got a parking spot right there, that first one right by the door, and we walked right in. And, ordered. and how long did it take you to back back out once you got back out? To yeah, the- we, we, I backed in. Oh, okay. I was cool. able to do that. <laughs> so yeah, no, I wouldn't have gone in that way. And besides, I would have been blocked by exactly. cars and, and the so, driver. So we did that. Like if you go over to Super Deluxe now, mm-hmm. mind you, I've only been open for thirty-four days. Okay, it's 30- but who's counting? Me, I am. <laughs> 34 days. But those those first five parking spaces that face the building, yep. I now have a deck. I built a deck in six days. That makes sense. That completely, because nobody could get out. We were literally out there like aircraft controllers, like right. doing the flag signals. You wait here, you go there. It took people. It was already, we, were, we didn't know what we were doing in the very beginning anyways, and people were waiting 20 minutes for a burger. But then they were waiting 35 minutes to get out of the parking lot. Yeah, that's that's annoying. So, you know, I And I can see where that would happen. So was that within the last two weeks you did that? Because I think we, oh, yeah. I no, think brand we were there new. a week it's, ago. It's, yeah, it's brand new. It looks great. It completely... I put the I put the pylons in front of the, the thing to protect it so nobody's going to like, you know, ram into it. And I've got the umbrellas. I've got the decks. It levels out. And we did that in like five, but six days. But those are important parking spaces. That's a lot of burgers that can't park there. No, it's, they're not parking spaces. They're literally trap you in your car and make you crazy road rage right, but I was, incidences. I was delight. I was just excited. Look what we look at the spot we got. It. I thought it was disabled because it yeah. was so close to the front door. No, it was. But, so anyway, the, the parking aside... It was really good. No chicken nuggets. I was disappointed about that. That well, that's been that's been a learning experience because we're hand cutting them. You know, mm-hmm. like and when you're selling ungodly amounts of chicken nuggets, you you got to hire people. Now we're just we have people that are just that's all they do. You know, they're just cutting nuggets. So and so Brooke mentioned she loved your milkshakes, and I didn't see them coming so, back Wednesday. They were on the, the milkshakes were on there for one day. One day. One yeah, day. Right. She said she went the first day. It was there. The very first opening day. And funny story. Brett, the guy who's been selling me meat at SP Meats for 16 years now. We were running it. We thought we had enough meat to make it through our first day. You know, we ordered what would equivalent would be the equivalent of like five or $6,000 worth of sales. So we ordered that. Oh, I bet you did double that. We did almost triple that. Yeah. But I had to call Brett and be like, hey... I need more meat. Can you bring it down? And so he brings it and drops it off and he sees the chaos that's happening in there. And he goes, Hey, what can I do? And I was like, do you know how to make a milkshake? And he goes, uh, sure. So I <laughs> stuck my meat guy, veteran okay. onto a milk ma- milkshake machine at four o'clock. And when I looked back up, it was nine o'clock and he was still there covered in milkshakes. 
And I was just like, the next day, I, I, I called my designer that night. I was like, I need you to go to a 24-hour Kinko's. I need you to completely edit that milkshake thing off of the menu. Come back down here. Stick it on because until I can, because I was trying to make milkshakes by hand. I was trying to like do the whole like scoop it, scoop it, put it in, blend it. Oh my God. That's not fast Whoa, food. That was not for, fast food. Especially for new employees. Yeah. So I ended up next day, you know, bought the shiny 20,000, ordered the shiny $20,000 milkshake machine. Uh, found out that most of those machines work on proprietary uh, mixes, oh. and I'm not going to do that. So I've been trying to. I, I can't. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I've been. Um, I've been trying to reverse engineer a, a milk mix that will allow us to create still the real fruit, real fruit milkshakes and stuff like that. So, but we'll get it. We're, we should have them back on the menu in like two days. All right, they were good, and the fr- and the fruit sodas were were good too. Yeah, low fruit fizzies. Um, our friends at San Pellegrino would like to shine the spotlight on dining and sipping at Noble Rot. Since two thousand two, the Rot has educated and entertained and fed Portland. Local, national, and international media have consistently praised their style. The restaurant sources some of its bounty from a rooftop garden. And below that, you'll find one of the best views of Portland from any restaurant in the city, looking west on downtown from its perch near where Burnside meets Sandy Boulevard. Keeping things real and delicious, Noble Rot was a James Beard Award-winning semifinalist for Best Wine Program in the USA this year, in 2018, and just last year was Willamette Week's pick for Best Portland Wine Bar. A great way to compliment any dish on Noble Rot's exciting menu is with a sparkling bottle of San Pellegrino. Make sure to check out sanpellegrino.com to see where the best chefs in the world recommend you dine. And here in Portland, San Pellegrino suggests you reserve a table soon at Noble Rot. And you know, I have to say, um, for just being open, so at the time you're probably in your 20-something day, and the service was fantastic. Everybody was really nice and kind and uh, cordial good so that's not easy to have happen uh it's not but when you actually are trying to take something from like in and out if you're trying to see what works for the fast food industry it has been that convenience and that courtesy that is ingrained in not just location but also the the years that goes into developing training strategies for the employees and stuff like that starbucks hands down there is Aside from lately, with a couple of the little bad incidences that happened with Starbucks, they were historically known for being like the most customer service friendly. Mm-hmm. But even same thing with Chick Fil A, you know, not big into their politics. I want a chicken sandwich on a Sunday for other reasons, but they are the, just the nicest people. You go to an In and Out in California, and you're never not you're never gonna come into somebody's bad day. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But in Portland, and any other restaurant you're gonna go into in Portland. Whew. you know, you got to be known or you have to, or they have to know you or they have to identify with you to get you in their better graces because Portland is definitely not known for service. I fall victim of that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in, in the fast food world where you are reaching a, a much larger audience, that's one of the things that makes them successful. So we're definitely trying to nail that home. And how do you, that's challenging though. How do you... How long in advance of the opening of Super Deluxe did you have to to train your employees and and was it the little big burger model that you pulled out? Oh no, I, I mean, no, the, no, no, the no, book? nope, nope. I 
I was just, what it was, was a large part of it was I hired two absolutely amazing managers. So what we did was we like, okay, we came out the gate with super deluxe and we're like, we want to be the first fast food drive through that's offering Stumptown. Like really cool. It's like one of our taglines was like, do you want Starbucks or do you want Stumptown? And we wanted to have a real espresso machine. We didn't want the super automatics because if you read Schultz's book, he's like, I absolutely regret inventing that machine. He's like, I took the art out of the coffee. And while I'm not trying to give somebody like latte art, I do want to give them a better quality espresso. And you cannot do that in a super automatic. And there's no fast food uh, coffee machine out there that's not a super automatic. So we went and got the, the espresso machine that's used in the barista championships in New York. And we were like, okay, we're going to teach these people how to put through the amount of and the quality of lattes that you cannot get even at Starbucks. But we didn't know how to cue that up. We didn't know how to, we'd never done breakfast. I've never done breakfast in my portfolio. So I was like, ah, I guess I better go hire a Starbucks manager because you know what they do? They know how to do it. Mm-hmm. So we brought on this guy and he was, he brought, he brought not only with him the, the flow charts and all that kind of stuff of how to actually help set us up in the morning for success. But he also brought that train, that ingrained training playbook in his head. And he's helped like develop and nurture our staff to, to allow us to give that. And then because I'd never done drive through burgers, I'd done, you know, inside burgers, we hired a Burgerville manager. <laughs> so I was like, I'm going to go to the two places that I need to, to get sources. And, and they were able to create this, you know, into, into what it is. Right. So they're going to grow with you as you grow. Oh, they're going to be the, they're going to be the guys. So yeah. they didn't know they hit the jackpot when you, uh, how'd you procure them? How'd you find them? Oh, I dangled that carrot. Yeah, I, of course I did. Right. But how did, there are a lot of Starbucks out there and a lot of burger. No, we, how'd we, you, how'd we, you find the right guy? We put in, we put an ad out. We were just like, Hey, looking, you know, new concept from seasoned people looking to start the next big thing, you know, interested parties apply. Oh, so you got those people to apply. You didn't specifically go to Burgerville and say, I got to uh, find their best guy. No, but I am. Best I have, person, I should say. I have been tempted to do that in the first hour after opening Super Deluxe. I almost felt like running across the street and telling the Burger King employees, I'm short-staffed. <laughs> we are way busier than I thought we were going to be. I will pay you double what they're paying. Get over here now. Like I, like I wanted to do There's that. a headline in the Oregonian for you. Yeah. So, so my, um, may I ask, because the last time you were here, we weren't, we didn't talk too much about your lawsuit. Mm-hmm. Um, how did that all turn out for you? It turned out the same way it turned out when I was in here last time. I'm still standing in the shadow of those lawyers and I'm s- still can't say much about it. Wow. It's not done. No, it's, it's done. done. No, oh, it's no, it's done. done. Oh, but yeah. you have a, you have a, uh, yep. yeah, you can't say anything. Okay. Just, uh. Just yep. curious. And having listened to that podcast, and you know, Court, this is a pretty good podcast. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. You should listen more, else, yeah. more often. And it's because you're a great guest. But um, not that I'm going to call you on it, but just because it's fun to ask. Uh, your plan then was uh, two years hence to be retired. So that's not, I, that no, hasn't no, it, happened. It's close. It's close. I you're just, getting there. I just turned 40. Two weeks ago. Right. Happy birthday. Opened up my 40th restaurant. Nice. Literally 10 days before my 40th birthday. So was it 32 back then? I can't remember what the number 33, was. 33, something like that. Right. Yeah, but we we had expanded out and opened up a few more. And so I'm I'm getting close. 
You're really going to retire? You're going to be able to sit still? No, I'm going to back it off now. I'm going to, because when it was before it was 35 and I actually could have retired at 35, but I didn't. And I was like, oh, I'll retire when I'm 40. So now, now well, it's 45. It's 45. Okay. Yeah, so but you're going to keep moving it. Yeah. So, because you can't, you, you can't sit still. I know. So, um, and Blue Star. Yeah. So it's been two years since we were talking about that. What's happened in the past two years with Blue Star? So we are getting ready to open up our big flagship on 12th and Morrison. So our very first location that we opened up in the Indigo building on 13th and mm-hmm. Washington, uh, 800 square feet, it served its purpose, but it's time to grow up. So we are moving three blocks away and we're basically bringing all of the production back into the house before we had ran out and grabbed a big warehouse to meet the demand and stuff like that. But what we did was we took the magic away. We took all those lines that were forming in. They weren't actually seeing the donuts being made because we were doing them off-site and bringing them. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to bring it all back together. So now we actually have the flagship, which is you know, just a few blocks from here. And then it's going to just circulate out to the other ones. And then I've got a new one opening up in Multnomah Village in two months. And then I've got, I just started construction on Division because we're going to move the Hawthorne location to Division. That's fantastic. We get nothing. I'm, I'm where I am in Portland is Southwest. There's yeah. not much out there. So Multnomah so, Village. Yeah, yeah. That'll be, be that'll be in November, I believe. And what time of the morning is that going to be open? Six a.m. All right. Yeah. So I'm it's like the, the Blue Star up by my house. I'm in up by Progress Ridge. Yep. So yep. We're replaced open. the subway. So how many you have now? And is that is Camden's I'm open flying. in Japan? Uh, yeah, I'm flying down to LA on Friday for the opening of the Silver Lake location on Saturday morning. So Silver Lake's going to open up and that Silver Lake and Portland, they are sister people. I mean, it's just, it's, it's almost identical. So actually in that building is Wild Fang and Wild Fang is started here in Portland. So the building has four retailers and Parachute, which is that fancy linen place on 23rd, um, is there. It's, it's actually right next door to Blue Star over there as well. So in Silver Lake, it's right next door to a parachute. And then Wild Fang is two doors down. So. Oh, so and what's going on in Japan? Uh, we are in negotiations for reopening some stores out there right now. I'm not sure about that. That's where Katie comes in. So she handles the negotiations. And is Katie involved with the ice cream too? No, she's not. She's not. So, um, so as you move forward and you come up with 34 other concepts before you get to 55, mm-hmm. um, it's not always Katie. You're, you've no, 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 yeah, no, no. Katie, Katie and I, we still have a great relationship and we still work, you know, perfectly together. I actually love her husband. I mean, he's just a wonderful man. Um, but I've got my new partner, well, not my new partner, my partner, Matt. He was the first employee we hired at Little Big Burger. Mm-hmm. But he's the reason why I'm able to run down different rabbit holes and open up multiple concepts at one time because he's he's there doing it with me. But then I have a whole support structure of other people that actually are able to guide me in those directions. You know what I mean? So it's, you know, the, the ice cream has a whole board of people involved with it. You know, I went out and I literally showed people rudimentary two years ago products and was like, try this, tell me what you think. And like, wow, that's good. What is it? And I'm like that. And they're like, what? And then there's so many other aspects to this company that's not just ice cream or gluten-free cookies. There's another thing that's, I am going to hold on to that one, you know, because that one is, that's going to change some stuff. Oh, you know what I can do? I don't think we talked about the cookies um, and how you made them. We'll go back to that, right? Yeah, I'll talk about that one second, but I actually, I can show you as opposed to say it, but you can't repeat it. Can't, we won't repeat it to anyone. Yeah. 
one second. I got it on here somewhere. Come on, second. Coming up, coming up, coming up, coming up. This thing is the big play. Okay. It is the big play. Oh. Mm-hmm. Can't say anything about it. We nope. just have to know that. Yeah. yeah. So you're so you're testing both court, <laughs> at both of us, to see if someone wants to ask us whether we can hold that secret. You can hold it. Yeah. No, I'm not I, yeah. I, I can do it. Um, Identical. Can you do it? Uh, n- not a problem. Yeah. Thousand. As long as we get the thousand percent. As long as we get the first cases. I'll. I'll. Just text me your address. I'll ship you something. I'll tell you what. You're a man of your word because I didn't remember that you were going to bring us this product from the last podcast. You promised. Yeah. So you did. Thanks. And I. And you didn't. I. I would have given some to Brooke from Eater, who you met out at. The, well, I haven't the, announced it yet. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Well, but we're. This is. This is going to run. So I know you're it's okay going to run. With this. I'm. I'm fine with that. All right. Thank you. We appreciate. We don't get the opportunity to break anything. It's an exclusive. Yeah. Well, you did. Well, isn't that great that I don't even know it? So it takes me a while to realize it. So thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. So a couple of years ago, um, I was really amused by some of the conversations we had about okay, Cupid mm-hmm. and dating. And now you just reference you have a girlfriend. Oh yeah. How long has that been going on? A while. Good. Yeah. And how'd you meet her? It wasn't okay, Cupid. No, I, I had met her right after I got divorced, but we didn't uh, finalize our relationship until just a couple years ago i was kind of i was kind of hoping that after that you'd come and say hey i really come to grips with being alone and uh oh i'm still trying i'm trying to come to grips with it right now there's there's nights in bed when i'm like looking over going ah i really wish that i was in this bed alone right now but i'm not so we assume she's not listening no 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 she will listen to this she's just got she is gonna listen to this she's stronger than i am right and she's immune to you she has to be she's a doctor she's completely immune to me okay so yeah she couldn't be faint of heart or thin skin and live with you i would imagine and by the way we had this little uh, exchange that i guess on our description of the last podcast I made some reference as to your likability factor. Yeah. And I really like you. I, you know, it's not that I, I, uh, whatever was written, and I was writing them back then, Court. Yeah. Whatever was written, I think was just, it was acknowledgement of you're not looking to make friends. Exactly. That's not not your objective in life. Yeah. It's not. So I'll say this, I say this over and over. It's my mantra. I would rather have four quarters than a hundred pennies. Right. Which is, which was good. When I was, when I was on Facebook. Did you read that or did you make that up? What? The quarters and pennies thing. No, that, I, I've read that. That's that's that, that okay, goes around. Good. That's but why I, I asked if you're well. If you read a lot, when I got you off of Facebook, of when I got off Facebook, I had four thousand friends. Four thousand friends. Oh, that's a lot of people in the industry too, right? I, I didn't know. I didn't know any of them. You know what I mean? But it was just this. It was just that thing. And I was like, I realized I'm like, I don't have four thousand friends. Not at all. Like that would never happen in any. There's in there's nobody that would have four thousand friends. Right. First of all, um, but that's when I it just clicked. I was like, no. I, what I have is I have I have family. You know what I mean? Like that's what I have, and the friends that I call friends are family. Like I'm really good friends with my ex wife's husband. So that that's how it goes. Like I I don't have the time for social media. I don't have the time for a, to you know manage the different personalities around me and how I affect them. How many great friends do you have? Speaking of quarters and, and I have quite a few. Yeah. I've got a pretty solid core. So you have a lot of people you can count on when push comes to shove. Yeah. And, and, and they're time tested and they're they're tribulation tested too. You know, like my, my partner, Matt at super deluxe, 
we've, we work really well together. We were opening Super Deluxe at 5 a.m. together and closing it at 2 a.m. every night. Oh, that relationship got tested real quick. Mm-hmm. Real quick. But you have a, but there you have a common goal, and it's a positive goal. If this place kicks ass. Mostly. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, I would imagine he has to have, uh, anybody does. You're, you're an opinionated person who doesn't hide that. Yeah. So um, I would imagine it's not, and, and quality is really important to you. Very. So it can't be easy to work for you. No, it, to work with me. I don't look at it as yeah, working for me. But there are people who work for you, but, are you, but I suppose no, you would those, think those they're not people, working directly. They're people, not direct reports. Nope. Those people work for the people that run my businesses. Right. There you go. I manage the manager who manages the managers. That's mm-hmm. a correct sentence. Right. I mean, if you actually look at that on paper, I did make that one up mm-hmm. uh, because I'm not, I'm not the person. Like I said, if I, if I had to run my concepts, you would have staff walk out. Right. And it's not because I'm a tyrant. It's because... The well, way that I people are more cut out for that. Yes, the way that I process inefficiencies is different than the way other people process inefficiencies. Like I, I don't like to repeat myself multiple times, and I'm not I'm not the greatest when it comes to like I said balancing other people's personalities. I find the ones that will mesh with mine or that will complement mine, and I bring those people in, and then those people, if they have the qualities like Jay and. And Greg, the people that I hired from Starbucks and Burgerville, respectively, those people, we hired half of the amount of staff we needed when we opened up Super Deluxe. I hired for five or $6,000 days, and we've had to double and almost triple the staff since then. And that wouldn't have been me hiring those people, nor would that have been me doing those people. When I was at Super Deluxe for the first three weeks of opening, like day and night, I wasn't interacting with the customers. I was the guy frying chicken. I was the guy elbows deep frying chicken, trying to keep up with chicken. And I was jumping up and down on the trash cans and I was mopping the floors. And anytime anybody would come to me, I would send them to the people that could answer their questions because I'm not the person that's going to develop that person. I'm just not that guy. Right. So. And what did you learn while you were doing that? I learned that I need to work out more. (laughs) My, My back problems I thought were coming from like, you know, because I had serious back. Like there was a time when my doctor's right up the road on on 50th and Division, not 50th and Division, 50th and Hawthorne. And I called him mid-shift and I was like, Doc, it's been a couple of days. My back is killing me and I refuse to do drugs. I won't take painkillers or anything like that. And I went and I was like, can you see if there's a slip disc? Can you see if I pulled a nerve, something? And I went in he's like, no, Michael, your core's weak. You haven't had to work like this in forever. You know, like he's like, you, you haven't had to be on your feet bending over, hunching over something for years. He's like, start doing some sit-ups. So, so I was like, oh, great. So then, you know, three days of planks and a couple sit-ups in the gym when I could get in where I could fit it in. And my back isn't killing me anymore. So that was awesome. That was good advice because a lot of doctors would go right to the drugs. Yep. Oh, he, I, I won't let him go near me with them. Nothing. So not even Tylenol, no, anything? Nothing. Good for you. Good for you. And you're getting cleaner now Yep. with all this stuff. And again, what was the name of this? Little Bean. Little Bean. Yeah, it's made from a little bean. Little Bean. And so um, that's planned for the Pearl in November, October? Uh, mid-October. Mid-October. Yep. Right. And that's the only store. I'm not, I'm not looking to go out and open up a bunch of scoop shops. This is basically to, you know, it's a, it's a million-dollar pop-up. You know, I'm, I'm going all in on this one, and I'm, I'm bringing a product out there, and I'm going to let it find its, its place in society or the shelves of grocery stores or whatever it is going to be. But 
I have something truly unique to offer because anything I've done else, elsewhere has been I've synthesized something. I didn't invent the donut. I didn't invent the burger. I didn't invent ramen. What I've done is I've taken ideas. I've looked at an area or a marketplace and said, can I bring something better? It, there's a funny story I tell people when it comes to that is when I opened up Yakuza, I thought I was hot shit. You know, I was running around. I was 24 years old. I was, you know, it was, it was a good time to be young and carefree and wild west in the culinary industry in, in Oregon. And I, I had, you know, my version of salt cod fritters because back in the day, salt cod fritters were the hot thing to have on the menus. So I had a Japanese version of salt cod fritters and I had panko and I had yuzu and I had shiso and I had all this kind of stuff going into it. And then I went to, what's Gorham's first restaurant? Toro Bravo. I went to Toro Bravo. And I had his salt cod fritters. And I went back to my restaurant the next day and I took mine off the menu mm -hmm. because they couldn't compete. Anything else that I have opened or that I've opened, I will proudly say that I'm better than the next person. Proudly. Mm -hmm. You know, like with the donuts. That was, I was so, everybody kept saying, no, do not open a donut place. You will not be able to make it against voodoo and i'm like uh i beg to differ I can. Yeah. yeah i think i can i think i got this and sell them for a lot more yeah so i i did this 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 chickpea thing here that is a crazy idea that i looked at and because i i when i started to go dairy free i did the same exact thing that everybody else that tries to go dairy free see i'm not i'm not developing this for the dairy free people the dairy-free people have their heroes. They have their almond or their silk or their coconut ice cream. They they have the, the, the quality that they're used to, and that's their flavor. That's their hero. What happens is more and more people like myself and like you, they, they realize that lactose doesn't sit well with them as they're aging. And they want to go down and try, try to find a replacement. But they're so used to that creamy mouthfeel and that greatness that comes with dairy. And they get down to the non-dairy aisle and they go, huh wow, that was gross. No, thank you. I'll deal with the heartburn. Then they cross back over. And then you're done with it forever. And then you're done and then you write it off forever. Exactly. Same thing with gluten-free. Mm -hmm. And so when I set out for this, I was thinking, okay, all I got to do is I've got to be just a little bit better than the, than the best non-dairy. And in my rudimentary form of the ice cream, I was already competing with dairy. Already competing with mm -hmm. dairy. And I would, I would say you can, absolutely can, can consider that the truth. So I... I was like, that's when I knew I had something. That's when I literally like clamped down. I was like, okay, I've got something and this is going to take a while to figure out. So it was dealing with food scientists. It was dealing with the FDA because these processes haven't been used. When you get something, when you get a kickback from the FDA that says you've registered a, a product, <laughs> like you have a process and a mineral count and like you have this thing where had never existed before, congrats. And I was like, oh, you know, like that was mine. Like I did it. Like that's carved in stone. So pretty good for a kid from Gary, Indiana. Exactly. So then I, then I had to get the, I had to, you know, get people in the room that were smarter than me and say, listen, this is what I have. I need to know how to bring this to the people now, because I'm not, I'm not saying, Hey, come try my version of a burger or pizza or ramen or a donut or whatever it is I'm going to do. I'm like, I'm showing you something completely else. Like this is new. Mm -hmm. And so I got those people on board and those people are going to be right there with me when we cross the finish line with this product. So, so, so the goal isn't necessarily shops. It's to get it in grocery stores. Of course. Yeah. yeah. Great. Yeah. So, and do you have, that's my soup can. Yeah. You know, everybody says you, you, you go until you get your face on a soup can. You so. going to put your face on that? Oh, not at all. But you know, 
somewhat. Do you have a, uh, is there a name of your company, the, the parent company? That uh, does everything. No, 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 no. I, I would never encumber one Micah, business. Micah Camden Enterprises. No, no, okay. for good, for good reason too. All right. So, uh, well, we'll look forward to that, and um, really appreciate your. You know what I should do is I should actually have you come down to the R and D kitchen because I can show you some stuff besides that that would shock you. Yeah. Well, we're all in on that. Court, you want to visit down there? I like to be shocked. And I just, I just got a, uh, I can video it if you want. Yeah. I just got a uh, really cool gimbal thing that I have to try out. So I, I don't know what that is. It keeps, it, you can put your phone in something and it keeps it still as you move oh, around. Yeah. You can run with it and it's, it's turning this thing into a cinematic device. I don't know yet, but um, I appreciate it. Thanks so much for coming in. Anything else you got going on? No. Just That's that. it for now. Yeah. For All now. right. So I've got another idea. You've yeah. got to hear this one out. Okay? Yeah, there you go. So I got out of the shower the other day and uh, I, I have a thing where I, I religiously clean out my ears, right? So with Q-tips and stuff like that. And I, you know, I've noticed that catalog sometimes when I'm using a Q-tip and I'm not out of the shower, obviously less comes out. But you go in the shower, you steam up, you get hot, moist, all that kind of stuff, right? So then I'm sitting... My girlfriend has like the little wet naps, baby naps inside the bathroom for whatever, wiping off makeup and shit. And I'm looking at those and I'm looking at her Q-tips and I was like, why in the hell aren't there pre-wetted fucking Q-tips? Yeah, that's a good idea. And so I Googled it and there was no pre-wetted Q-tips. Because when you all. put that dry Q-tip in your ear. And so then I, then, I, then I get on the phone and I call and this, mind you, this is probably 1030 at night and I call my doctor <laughs> and I'm like, hey. I need a few minutes of your, like, cause he's in, he's, he knows these things. I'm like, is there any issues with inner ear health and moisture and all this kind of stuff? And he's like, and I, I pitched him my idea and he's like, no, oh, use witch hazel. And he's like, or use an essential oil. The same things you would do to like sue the baby or doing something like that there. So I'm, I'm, I went down that rabbit hole as fast as I could. I went through Google and Amazon. I just couldn't find shit. And I turned to my, my girlfriend who's a doctor and I was like, Hey, what, babe. What kind of doctor is she? Uh, she's an endodontist. She has two dental practices, one like Oswego, one in uh, Longview, Washington. Regardless, doctor. And I was like, babe, I was like, we need to come up with a Q-tip company where one side that's facing down in the container is the moistened side and the top side is the dry side. And that mm. way you can go in and you're not grabbing the moist side with your fingertips and you can clean out, turn it around and then dry it out. And we can use witch hazel and we can use... Uh, like essential oils, like this relieves ringing in your ears. This is for calming you down at night. This is for waking you up in the morning because different essential oils have different reactions to the nose. And uh, I'm going to do that. So yeah, I am doing something else. I'm glad I asked for no other reason. (laughs) It was entertaining to hear, but interesting. I have dry ears. I have to put the, yeah. today. Just I have to put some lotion in there. Just yeah. to, so we've been we've been researching like where to get the good swabs and who to partner up with and what essential oil company to use and all that kind of stuff. And it's actually it looks like it's going to happen. Wow! So yeah. it's not all food. Yeah, and I got a doctor. I got two doctors that want to stand behind it. One that shares my bed and one that I've known for fifteen years. That's that's fantastic. And you're not going to gain any weight trying it. Exactly. It's it's <laughs> it's the perfect thing for you. Micah, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Right. Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com. Right